0: Well, welcome everybody who is here today. Hey, if you're watching live right now, maybe you're watching on a vod or watching a YouTube or one of our many platforms. Uh, hey, we want to welcome you today and thank you so much for being here today. and uh, so I wanna I wanna I wanted to start this sermon off. I, I want to give you guys a little bit of a vision of something. It might be a, a, an interesting vision, but if you are a gamer, most of us have at some point in our life, we've been in the character creation screen of whatever type of game that it is that you're playing. Obviously, you have those games like The Legend of Zelda, you know that you're going to be playing as Link, right? And some of you out there saying that you're going to be playing as Zelda, you can trigger me later. But anyways, there are those games, though, where you have the character creation screen. And the fact of the matter is in these uh, character creations, and a lot of them, there's different races That you can be, whether it's elves or dwarves or human, whatever it might be. But in a lot of these games, there are certain races that people just overlook or they're 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 just not as popular as other races. So one of them might be the Elder Scrolls. I actually did some research on this because I didn't know what the most unpopular Elder Scrolls race there was, but it actually happened. I was very surprised. It wasn't the Bretons, which I thought might be a little bit low on the list. Apparently, they're really high. It wasn't the Nords, which I personally like the Nords. It wasn't the High Elves or the Dark Elves. It was the Argonians. And they're like lizard people, and I get it, I guess, to an extent. Like I've actually don't I've never had a playthrough as an Argonian before, but that's one of the race that races that people just overlook when they play the Elder Scrolls. They don't like it very much for one reason or another. It's the Argonians. In Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, one of the races that's looked down upon, not only overlooked in many ways, but also physically looked down upon is the Lala Fells. The Lala Fells are tiny little people. Uh, I myself, I'm actually very tall in real, real life. And so I made my character the shortest that I possibly can be. But Lala Fells are not only overlooked physically, but they're overlooked by a lot of people because, well, they... They, yeah, see, Vic Sigma, he puts in there that, you know, they're so cute. And other people, they call us potatoes, okay? Uh, and so I'm just saying, if, if, if people overlook these things. And they overlook me so much that I remember being in a raid one time, and I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. But because my character was so small, I started getting blamed for not doing what I was supposed to be doing. And the reason why was because they couldn't see me because I was in the midst of other characters that were much larger than me and a boss that was probably 9,000 times the size as my character and my little tiny guy actually doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was on the grind. I was doing it right, but somebody called me out and said, Hey, you're doing this wrong. And we found out after a little while, it's just because my character was too small, I was being overlooked in that moment. And in all honesty, I think sometimes that we're overlooked in our lives as well. You see the person maybe at, at work that's super humble, right? They just keep their head down. They're they're on the grind and they kind of fly under the radar in most cases. Uh, and they might be passed up on getting a promotion because people don't recognize what they're actually doing. People don't recognize the hard work because they're flying so far under the radar because they're just kind of being humble about what they're doing in that time. And so today I wanted to talk about three things that we're lear- going to learn from the passage that we're actually going to read today. And this this passage that we're going to read from, it comes from Luke chapter 1, but it's called the Magnificat. Most people know it as Mary's song. Uh, I personally know it as Magnificat. Okay, if you guys remember Waymaker from 2019, but we're going to be talking about the Magnificat today, and this is really interesting for me to be able to preach upon because I've I've actually never preached about the Magnificat. I've done many sermons in the past and preached on Easter and Christmas, Christmas Eve, Palm Sunday, all sorts of things throughout the Bible, but I've actually never preached on a Magnificat this week or before. And so this past week, I really went into an in-depth study about what I feel like the Bible is trying to tell us, right? Luke wrote this down. It must have been important for a reason to write down the song that Mary had when she had when she had the this expression when she went to go see Elizabeth because right before this, she's just been told by the angel Gabriel that she's going to have a baby and then she immediately goes to Elizabeth and as Pastor AJ preached last week, she goes to see her relative Elizabeth, and immediately in Elizabeth's stomach, John the Baptist, who she conceived at the time, she feels that the the leap, the leap in her stomach, as we talked about last week. And the reason why is because the Messiah, who has not been born yet, John the Baptist, who is, hasn't been born yet, there's already there's already something going on there. There's already something there's already something happening. And then right after that, Mary comes with this song called, as we know it, as the Magnificat. But the first thing that I think Mary is trying to pull from here and what we can pull from this, and we'll go into the scripture in just a second, is talking about humility. Humility is not something that we see often today, uh, to be completely honest. And why do we not see humility as something that we see often today is because humility is a sign of weakness. Humility is not a sign of strength. It's not a sign of somebody who will step up and take leadership in something. It's a sign of weakness in today's society. Humility doesn't put you on stage. Humility doesn't put you on the front page. It doesn't put you in the spotlight for anything. It actually puts you outside of those things most of the time. And so humility is often overlooked in this day and age. And just like my Final Fantasy 14 character that I was talking to you about, and I wasn't able to be seen in the raid, the reason why was because my character was so small. And a lot of times what happens when we're, when, when we're trying to be humble about something is a lot of times we get overlooked. But Mary saw that humility, that this wasn't a sign of weakness. She saw that this was something that God had asked her to do. And so she set aside all of her pride And she became humble in this moment. And so we're gonna read from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 49. And it says this And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor upon the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She says that. She says, all generations will call me blessed. But then she says, because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. Mary recognized that she was blessed. She recognized that something was going on that nobody else had. She had the Messiah Inside of her that she had conceived Jesus, who would be the savior of all of humanity. She had conceived Jesus inside of her. And so she recognized that she was blessed, but she knew she she didn't say it was because of what I did. She didn't say it was because of the works that I've done or anything of that nature. She said it was because of God's favor that was upon her. She gave all the glory to God. And many times we've received a a gift. Or a blessing from God, whether it's you're super athletic and you're really, really good at those things. You got those guys pe- those guys out there or, or got, uh, girls out there who have just this God-given talent, right? And they're super good at whatever it is. You got people who are really good at, at video games, at clicking heads, and they have the most amazing reaction time. I don't personally have that, unfortunately. But you have those people that are out there. You have people who are really eloquent. They're really good at speaking. You have people who are amazing with music. I mean, they can play like 20 instruments those people that can sing really well and they have a beautiful voice but the thing is is when we have these gifts that god has given us we can get really prideful about it and we go in a completely different direction than what mary does here she she, she, she says i know that i'm blessed but it's because of god's favor And I think that's something that we need to learn in our lives, and that's something that I pulled out of Magnificat here because she's saying, hey, this is really great, and I know that I have this blessing on me, but I'm going to magnify the Lord anyways. I'm going to say that he is good, that his favor is upon me. It's not because of me. It's not because of my works. It's not because of what I've done, but it's because of what God has done for me. And she also sees, we will also see in verse 47 that she recognizes that she's in need of a savior as well. She recognizes that she is a sinner. She's a sinner just like anybody else. And so verse 47 says, and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. She recognized the need for a savior as well. So she was humbling herself in this moment. And so I want to ask you guys today. Are there areas in your life that you feel like you need to show more humility in? Is there something that you're really good at that God has given you a gift, but maybe you're boasting in it and you have some prideful parts of your life that you need to get out? I know that I've had that before. I have had times where I know that God has given me a gift and I didn't necessarily give God all of the glory for what he had given to me. And I, I have had gifts before taken away from me that God had given me. And I truly believe that the reason why those gifts were taken from me was because I wasn't giving God all the glory and there became some prideful things that set upon my heart. This is a real story that's happened to me before. And so I truly believe that Mary here is do, is showing us that we need to be having some humility in our lives and to be giving God all of the glory because she gave God all the glory for the blessing that she was going to receive in her life. The next thing that I would see that we can pull from here that Mary has is being fearful. All right. We'll talk about that and what that means exactly in just a minute. But if we look at Mary's life, she had a lot to be fearful of. Okay. First, she was young and she was pregnant. I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. When when you're young or even if you're older and you're pregnant, you know that your entire life is about to change. Whether you're about to become a mother or even a father, your whole entire life is about to be turned upside down. There's going to be some fear there. Even if you're excited, even if you're joyful, even if you got all of your plans straightened out to be a parent, there's going to be some fear there. Mary was just told by an angel that she was going to have literally the Messiah, (laughs) There's got to be some fear that is set in to her life at this point. But not only was there fear from that, I think she was also probably fear fearful of the fact of what are other people going to think? This is pretty hard to believe. You need to have a lot of faith to be able to listen to somebody and say, hey, i I never had relations with a man before, but i but but I but I'm pregnant. There's going to be some fear that comes with that. But I think one of the most fearful things that Mary had in this moment, she's probably fearful of what Joseph was thinking. Joseph is betrothed to her at the time. And I'm not going to go through the whole entire process of what, what it, what it means to be engaged birth betrothed and then married, because there's a, it's very, very different from what we think of it as today. But the fact of the matter is Joseph is saying, oh my goodness, like, You were obviously with somebody else. And Joseph at one point, he even planned to divorce Mary. And then obviously an angel came and told him not to. But the fact of the matter is there was something going on here and Joseph didn't understand it. And so Mary is probably very fearful of what Joseph was going to think, think the one that she was betrothed to, and now she's pregnant and he knows he's not the father. So she's had a lot of things to be fearful of. But through all of this fear, the thing that amazes me is she didn't sing about those things. She didn't sing about the things that she was afraid of. She, th- she sang about her fear in God. And so we'll, we'll move on and we'll look at Luke chapter 1 verses 50 through 53. And it says this, his mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. When we think of fear, we think of being scared. In today's day, in simple language, we think of being scared when we hear the word fear. And throughout the Bible, like I said, if we're understanding the simple word of fear, if we just look at that and look at it the way that we pronounce the, the way that we define it today, it would literally just to be scared of God. And I think with God's power and all that he can do and everything, I think there, there's probably a little bit that we can take from that as well. But fear in its original meaning, when it was written down in the Hebrew language, there is no word for it really to be translated into English. And it doesn't just to be afraid of something. To give an understanding of what fear actually means, it means to be in awe of or to be faithful in. And so to, in, in the Hebrew language, it literally meant the churning in your stomach. So if you get startled or if you see something that you're so in awe of, have you ever had that moment where you literally your stomach turns and it flips because of you're in such awe of whatever it is that you've gotten or saw? I remember one year for Christmas— I, for months, my parents must have been so annoyed with me, but for months, I was hoping to get the original PlayStation. I put it on my list. I wanted the PlayStation so bad. I had the games down and everything else, and I didn't know if I was going to get it. But I remember waking up on Christmas morning, I saw the shape of the box, and it even said on the wrapping paper, open me first. And I was like, This is it. And I opened it up. My parents sometimes trolled me on Christmas, but this one was not a troll. And I opened it up, and there sat the original PlayStation. And I had that flip in my stomach because I was in awe. I was so excited about opening that present. And so that's kind of what this fear in God is supposed to mean back from the Old Testament and New Testament is that you are in such a wonderful relationship with God that you're in awe of Him, that your stomach literally—it's kind of like it's kind of like when you fall in love for the first time, right? You have that those butterflies that you get. I truly think that when we're in a good relationship, we're in a healthy relationship with God, not necessarily that you're gonna get butterflies in your stomach every single time, but God, you are in such awe of who he is and all of his authority and all of his power and all that he's done for you and the love that he has for you. I think that's so important to have. And those who fear God, they know that they cannot be self-sufficient on their own. And this goes along with our first point of being humble for sure. But Mary had an understanding that God is merciful to those who fear him, for to those who are in awe of him and those who have faith in him. And I truly believe that we cannot have a proper relationship with God unless we understand what it means to fear him. I don't think we can have a proper relationship with God if we're in, not in awe of him. I don't think you can have a proper relationship with God, if you don't have faith in him. And what happens in these moments is that sometimes we talked about pride a little bit before. And the, prou- the proud are talked about here in these verses you see in verse 51 and even 52 and then 53 it says that he has done a mighty deed with his arm his arm uh, basically signifying the power that he has he has scattered the proud because of the thought the thoughts in their hearts he's toppled the mighty from their thrones he he and he's sent the rich away empty he's against these things he's against the proud but he's exalting the lowly he's satisfying the hungry He's going towards those things and he's taking down the others. And to be in a proper relationship with him, we can't be self-sufficient because when we become prideful in our hearts, I truly believe that we start relying on ourselves rather than leaning upon God, rather than leaning upon him in his wisdom. So my question for you today, and this is something that I need to ask myself a lot of the time is, where are you trying to be self-sufficient in your life today? Are you trying to be self-sufficient in your marriage, in your finances, in your job, maybe serving to some capacity, maybe your relationships? And listen, when you're serving and you're serving God, There are times that people become self-sufficient. There are times I've seen pastors who become self-sufficient and there is so much potential there. There's so much potential for God to be doing something, but because they're relying on themselves and they're relying on only what they can do and they're not relying on what God can give and the wisdom that God can bring, the potential will never be fulfilled. The potential of that church or that ministry will never be satisfied because God can make it go so much farther But when we're trying to be self-sufficient, when we try to take control of things in our lives, when we try, when we, when we listen, if you're going through financial issues, I I get it. Okay. I understand financial issues. Me and my wife, we've been there and we currently are there and we continue to go through it. But the fact of the matter is we release that to God. If we try to take control of it, we start worrying over, over it. We start having anxiety over it. But if we release it to God, God we know will take care of it if we're being obedient to him and doing what he's asked us to do. In your relationships, in your marriage, giving it over to God and not trying to be self-sufficient in doing everything yourself, releasing control over to him. And I believe that Mary recognizes this because she talks about his mercy being from generation to generation on those who fear him those who have a proper relationship with him. God wants to be the center of your life. He wants to be the foundation of your life. And we need to rely on him and lean on him because he is sufficient enough for you. He is always sufficient enough for you. And the last thing that I wanted to grab from Mary's song is talking about his promise, God's promise to us. Mary ends her song by expressing the understanding that God's promise of the Messiah was being fulfilled. Th- this is huge. I'm don't. i, I going to talk about it in a minute, but this is absolutely huge. She had faith that God's promise that had been made centuries before, centuries earlier to Abraham, that these things were about to happen. So we'll finish the song here. It says in Luke chapter 1, verses 54 through 56, it says... He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And then it says that, and Mary stayed with her, talking about Elizabeth Elizabeth about three months. She stayed with Elizabeth for three months. More than likely, she was staying for the birth of John the Baptist, and then she returned to her home. The promise of God's mercy... Was not only for the nation of Israel, though. It's for all those who have faith and believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Mary knew that her son Jesus. She knew that she was blessed with Jesus. She knew that he was the Messiah who had been promised. This is a major thing. Can you imagine praying for centuries and for generations? I mean, I don't know how many times the Jews thought that the Israelites thought that the Messiah was here. Or maybe the Messiah is going to come now. The Philistines are overtaking us. This is obviously our oppression that that Abraham was promised that we would have somebody who would bring us out of this oppression. It's obviously this moment. It's obviously here. It's obviously there. We've been taken into exile. So many things happened to the Israelites. But none of those times did the Messiah come along. And so in this moment, can you imagine for centuries that you've been promised something but it hadn't been fulfilled yet. I get stressed out when God hasn't answered me for 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, to have to be some, in something and promise for generation after generation after generation after generation and not to see it fulfilled. And now finally, Mary recognizes this is the moment for... M- All of history that we've been waiting for, it's finally here. God always comes through in his promise. But this is not just a promise for Israel. This was not just a promise for the Jews. You see, you look at Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, it says he was called the father of nations. That's very specific, putting that in a plural form. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, we're told that All nations, not one nation, not five nations, not ten nations, that all nations on earth would be blessed by Abraham's offspring. Every single nation across the entire earth would be blessed by Abraham's offspring. Jesus came not only for Israel. He came for all the nations. That we might be adopted even if we are not of the blood heritage of the Israelites were God's children in the old Testament, but God allowed a way for us to be adopted into this family. So that one day, if we believed in his son, Jesus Christ, that his love for us, that if we believe in him, that we would be able to be with him for all of eternity. that We can be a part of this family. And that is huge. That is amazing for us. Mary made sure to express her thankfulness and her praise to God for this. And I think it's so important that we do the same thing. I know for myself, I've taken this for granted before. I know that there have been days where I have not thanked God, the Father, for sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross and rise from the dead for me. There have been days that I've not said, thank you, God, because without this, I would have absolutely nothing. And so I tried to remember every single day, maybe even multiple times a day to thank God for his son, Jesus Christ, because of what he, listen, thanking God, the father for what he did for you. The fact that he sent his only son to die on the cross for you so that your sins, so that the baggage you carry, so that the things that you've done that was wrong, that you might be purified because of what Jesus Christ did. And listen, when you accept Jesus Christ into your hearts, you will have a completely full, eternal, loving life with God the Father. The gates of hell will not prevail. We've been told that. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that curtain that was separating all the people from God the Father the only the high priest could go in there every uh, like once a year to atone for the sins for the israelites that curtain was torn because of what jesus christ did on the cross so that instead of having to have one person go in there do all the sacrifices do all the blood things that they had to do that they were taught all back in the old testament jesus christ the final sacrifice the perfect lamb of god would come and sacrifice himself for us so that your heart could be purified so that all of the things that you've done would no longer be remembered. All of the sin that's upon your life, all of the guilt, all of the shame, all of the things Jesus took upon himself. But here's the thing. It's important for us to be thanking God for that every single day, but it is so, so, so important to be telling other people about it as well. Listen, there are so many people in this world. Listen, we're a lot of us in here, a lot of us are gamers. Not everybody is necessarily a gamer in this community, and that's completely okay. We want anybody and everybody to come in and be able to learn about Jesus Christ. But I know myself being a gamer and being in the gaming world for the past 35 years of my life, there's a lot of toxicity, and there's a lot of people that are just lost. These are not just people who are you know, you're not just another red number on the screen when you're watching Twitch. You're not just another sale when you when you buy a game. These are real people who need Jesus Christ in their lives. They're looking for fulfillment in so many different areas. They're looking for fulfillment at the bottom of a bottle of alcohol. They're looking for for fulfillment through pornography. They're looking for fulfillment through all of the hatred and all the hate culture that we live in today. And they're looking for fulfillment in all sorts of different areas, but they will never find that true fulfillment that only God can bring to them. And because of God's promise, what Mary sang here, because of his promise for us, this is where the fulfillment comes in, is if we believe in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead through the power of the Father and the Holy Spirit, so that one day, if we believe in him, that our sins would be forgiven, they would be washed away, and we could be with him for all of eternity. There is an amount of mercy and grace that I don't think we can ever understand. I, I, we're going to have an eternity to understand this mercy and grace, and I don't even think we're going to scratch the surface of it, especially while we're here on earth right now. That is an amazing and a perfect amount of love a perfect amount, it's not too much, it's not too little, it's a perfect amount of love that God has given us. It's an agape love, an unconditional love that he has. And Mary made sure to thank God for it and I think we need to do the same and we also need to be giving that love to other people as well and to be sharing this good news with other people. And so maybe you're here today And this is the first time ever that you've heard the gospel. Maybe you've heard the gospel before and you've been super resistant to it. You've been like, hey, listen, I I don't know why. I don't even know why I'm here right now i listening to this guy about Jesus. I don't want anybody else to have control of my life. Listen, we talked about humility before and getting that pride out of our life. But listen, there is a sense of, for me, there's a sense of secureness when I know that the God who created the entire earth by just opening up his mouth, there's a sense of secureness when he's in control of my finances. Cause I can tell you, I'm not very good with numbers, but he is great with numbers, okay? God knows what he's doing and he loves you so much. you just heard the gospel that Jesus, God God the Father, that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins and that he rose from dead so that you could be with him. It transforms your life. It changes everything. It gives you a sense of life that you've never had before. It gives you a sense of peace, a sense of love, a sense of fulfillment that you've never had before in your entire life. And I promise you, I promise you, I made this decision a long time ago and I've never regretted it once. Have I been through some hard times? Absolutely. But I can tell you that the fulfillment that you get when you're in a good and proper and loving relationship with God, man, there's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity today. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him into your heart today. And maybe maybe you've, maybe you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart before. Maybe maybe you've asked him into your heart. Maybe you've received him, but you feel like you've fallen to the wayside for a long time. You feel like that you've you've been going through things in your life and you've been entangled in sin. You've been going down a different path that you never intended to go down. And you feel like right now, hey, I need to rededicate my life. I've been trying to take control of things. I got pride in my life. I don't have that humility. I haven't been fearful of God in the way that I'm supposed to be. I haven't been in awe of him. My relationship with him hasn't been there. Maybe you need to rededicate your life today. And so I want to give you an opportunity, whether it's rededication or to accept Jesus Christ for the first time in your heart today, I want to give you that opportunity. And so if you like to do either of those things, what I would ask you to do is repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray. Dear God, I come before you right now. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you that he died on the cross and I believe that he rose from the dead. Right now, God, I accept your mercy, your grace, and your salvation. I commit my life to you. And Jesus, I ask that you would come and live inside of my heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those people right now that are accepting Jesus Christ into their life for the first time or those people that maybe, hey, you re- you just rededicate your life. Hey, we want to celebrate with you. We want to congratulate you because this is an amazing decision. Like I just said before, this is a decision I made a long time ago in my life, and I've never regretted it. Having a life with Jesus. Having a life that is filled with Jesus, there is nothing like it. It's a journey, it's a process, and we want to be able to help you on that journey and process. And so if somebody could do me a favor and type exclamation point, connect in the chat. If you made that decision today for the first time, or even like I said, if you rededicate your life, what I would ask you to do is to fill out that form. We want to give you some resources. We're not going to spam you with emails. I just want to connect with you. I really just want to connect with you to, to shoot you a quick email to say, Hey, here are some resources. Do you have any questions because listen, there's a lot of questions that new P- new Christians have. They'd say, hey, where do I start reading in the Bible? This is a really, really large book. I don't know where to start reading. How do I pray? What is baptism? What does this look like? How do I get more plugged into God Squad Church? There's so many different things. And we would like to be able to help you with all of those questions. And so once again, congratulations to those of you that have just accepted Jesus Christ. Like I said, we wanna celebrate with you today. And so we're super, super excited for you.